today. 80% of businesses don't sell. To be a part of the 20% that do, and at maximum value, you'll need a successful strategy. Welcome to the Defenders of Business Value podcast, where we interview today's top professional advisors who help business owners create, preserve, and most importantly, transfer value. If you want actionable tips that will increase your business value, stay tuned. The podcast starts now with your host, Ed Mysoglan. So when we do business valuation work, what we do, especially in the market approach, we take information from privately held sales and we apply that to the company that we're valuing. And one of the primary, if, if not the primary um, source of information is BV market data or deal stats. And so today we're going to talk to Kenny Wu and Adam Manson of Business Valuation Resources. And they publish a quarterly report about the changes in market multiples. So we're going to talk a lot about that today. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kenny Wu and Adam Manson. I'm your host, Ed Meisigland. I teach business owners how to value and identify and remove risks in their business so that one day they can sell their business at maximum value when they want, how they want, and to whom they want. On today's show, I'm super excited to welcome Kenny Wu and Adam Manson. Kenny is the Economic and Data Editor for Deal Stats Value Index, and Adam Manson is the Director of Valuation Data for Business Valuation Resources. So guys, Adam, Kenny, thank you so much for being with me. Hey, thanks for having us, Ed. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. I guess right off the the bat, can you share a little bit about yourselves and then uh, Business Valuation Resources and the the publications that you produce and the the data that you work with. Hey, this is Adam Manson. I'm the director of uh, valuation data here at Business Valuation Resources, and I oversee uh, deal stats as well as our other data resources. Um, Business Valuation Resources is a publishing company uh, that provides data, guidance, uh, training, uh, you know, continuing education credits uh, to business appraisers and also professionals in the transaction space. Um, and yeah, we've been around since, uh, you know, the, the mid-90s. And I've been here about uh, about 15 years at this point. So, yeah, that's that's that in a nutshell. I'll turn it over to, to Kenny to talk about himself. Hey, uh, Ed. Hey, audience. Uh, yeah, I've been with uh, Business Valuation Resources for about three years now. I'm the Economics and Data Editor, as you had mentioned. And one of my publications is the Deal Stats Value Index, which is published quarterly and what we're speaking about today. What it is, it kind of aggregates all the data from the Deal Stats database itself and then... Um, we publish it quarterly so we can look at trends and analysis for multiples and buyers and other kind of statistics when it comes to purchasing and selling businesses. Uh, some of the other publications that I work on are the Economic Outlook Update, which is published both monthly and quarterly, which um, appraisers could use in uh, their, their valuation reports. I work on the Merger Set Review, which is an annual publication uh, highlighting M&A activity throughout the course of the year in the North American U.S. markets. Uh, and then I work on the control premium study, which is also a quarterly publication focusing on control premiums. I got it. So where does all this data come from? Well, the data specifically from deal stats comes from two channels. Uh, the first is through our contributor network. So we receive data from, you know, those who participate in the business brokerage profession, uh, you know, M&A advisory profession, private equity, um, and they contribute transaction data uh, directly to BVR, um, you know, which is proprietary and not data that's available in the public domain. 
Uh, we also do research at the Securities and Exchange Commission website, you know, using the Edgar database, uh, as well as SADAR, which is, you know, Canada's equivalent um, of the SEC. And we document transactions of both private and public companies um, that have full financial information um, that allow us to report valuation multiples for those deals. And at this point now, about 70% of the transaction data uh, included in deal stats uh, comes through our contributor network um, uh, contributors, and that's proprietary to deal stats. So at this point now, we have 70% of our transactions coming in from that source. Uh, and the other third you know, that we augment um, you know, the database with comes from the SEC and from SADAR. Uh, so it's public domain information, but we document those transactions in a way to provide uh, full information for those in the business valuation profession or in the transaction profession um, so that they can, you know, utilize the data, you know, for their work. Well, I keep on hoping that there's going to be a regulatory body that, uh, like real estate, that y- you have to to contribute, you know, what you what you sold your company for, because I, I think it would, it, oh my gosh, I think it would so help business owners to to understand, you know, if you had 50 data points instead of, Twenty, you know it, that it just reinforces sure. businesses are selling for that are like you. You ever you, you think we'll ever see something like that? Oh, you know that's a great question. I think that it would be great for the profession to have some centralized, you know, data collection service or platform, you know, where all that all that data was housed. You know, I will we see it at some point? Geez, I don't know. Probably not in the near future. But I, what I think we might see, though, maybe not at a national level, but maybe more at the state level, we might see, uh, you know, better reporting, you know, like the, the business brokers of Florida right now, you know, for a state association, you know, has done a great job collecting all those co-broker deals, you know, that go through their members. And I think there's the potential for other states, you know, to kind of, to kind of follow that lead. Um, so maybe we'll see that, you know, in the near future here. And I think that would be great for everyone if we did. Yeah. I wish, uh, you know, the major franchises, the Sunbelts, Transworld, uh, Murphy and so on and so forth. I, I, I wish that they're, that they would aggregate it and, and turn around and send send it to you guys because i i do think it's uh it is so important with especially these days where the advisory services on the pre-sale is so so mm-hmm. so much more important than you know here let's just put it on the market and see yeah. what see what happens you know it, it's funny that you actually you say that ed because we actually do have an arrangement now that's relatively new with both murphy and Transworld. um so they are collecting all their member information and we are receiving it for deal staff and <laughs> I know, I know it sounds like really like coincidental timing, but yeah, we just actually uploaded all the Transworld data uh, yesterday. So it should be in deal stats right now. Um, the one thing though, that makes it a little bit different though, is that, you know, they just started requiring that members provide um, closed deal information when they close out a listing. Um, so we'll see better reporting, I think, from, from Transworld going forward. Um, so right now, you know, it's kind of limited what they've, you know, required members to report, but going forward, they have to put in a sale date, a sale price and other pertinent closing information. Um, so we'll have really great reporting there going forward, but yeah, we do have both the Murphy and the Transworld data sets and deal stats right now. Well, when uh, one or two go, the, the rest will follow is, uh, the way it, it typically happens in the brokerage industry. That's, that's great. Sunbelt, if you're listening, we'd love to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, well. I believe most of our audience would be surprised that that nearly every business valuation that employs the market approach utilizes your data. I mean, can you talk a little bit about how many transactions do you have and the depth that the market comps go into? Because it's it's considerable. It's it's not just uh, 
a couple data points. I mean, it is a it is a unbelievable report, and and I may uh, put up a sample report uh, in the show notes just so people can see. You know, this is just not um, you know just like I said, just a couple data points. This is a, a full blown report on companies and the metrics at the time of the sale. Yeah, no, thank you. I think that's a that's a great point because you know deal stats and you know formerly Pratt stats. So deal stats is a rebranded version of Pratt stats. You know, it wasn't the first transaction database, you know, in the market for private companies, you know, but the goal when it was created, um, you know, was to actually report as much financial information as possible about those companies. So you have a more robust transaction, you know, when you're doing that comparative analysis. Um, so that's really the foundation for the creation of the database. Um, and so right now we're at 36,000 transactions and we collect 164 data points per transaction. Uh, and we actually collect more than that, but we currently report 164. Um, and there's going to be some more um, transactions or excuse me, some more data points that we'll be reporting here in the coming weeks. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later, later at the, uh, the closing of this. So um, yeah, I guess just a little bit tease, a little bit of a teaser for uh, yeah, some new data that'll be coming here that we'll talk about soon. Let's just jump into it. I mean, one of the things that, you know, this thing is, how, how many years has, has the, the quarterly report been coming out? Oh man, that is a good question. So we originally launched it as the, as the Pratt Stats private deal update. And I want to say we did that maybe, I don't remember exactly, but I'm going to venture, venture to say maybe a decade ago. Yeah. Um, and more recently with the rebranding of um, Pratt Stats into Deal Stats and the new platform we moved all the data into, um, we kind of basically, you know, rethought about how we, we published that publication, what we were including. Um, and we made a lot of changes to it. Um, and Kenny, who's the you know editor of all our data publications and who spearheads that, I'll let him talk a little bit about some of those changes and uh, you know kind of why we moved to the new format and the benefits of the new format. Yeah, we um, went with the um, compilation of the data. We just thought we could package the uh, publication a little bit more, provide a little bit more information to our audience, to our uh, subscribers. So we're able to just provide a lot more robust valuation data. And a lot of it is client-driven, actually. When the feedback that we get from clients in terms of trends and analysis that they'd like to see, that's where we're able to package in uh, on the publication. I got it. When we look at the value index this time, I mean, one of the, the striking things that caught me was multiples are down. And I mean, what's, I guess, before you get into that, I mean, what, what surprised you guys in, in this this quarter's publication? It, it was actually a little bit surprising because there's been a past trend where the first half and specifically the first quarter for the past several years, multiples have been down and we're continuing to track that trend. Um, you know, we, we wanted to pitch that to you. What are you seeing in the marketplace? Are there less buyers? That, so there's less competition for uh, sellers. Um, so that's one thing that we're continuing to track. And it was an interesting trend because dating back to uh, just about uh, 2013, um, you see uh, lower multiples being paid in that first quarter, first half of the year. And then in this quarter, it actually spiked. So um, it kind of broke off trend uh, where it, it raised back to later half of the years. So we were just wondering what you were seeing in the marketplace. Well, I guess we haven't seen a whole lot of deviation in, in multiples being paid. But at the same time, um, I think first quarter are normally rollovers from fourth quarter. You know, so. I, I think there's a little bit of a, I don't want to say manipulation, but I think, you know, some want to close, you know, January one. The other side is that, you know, brokers are typically uh, uh, lazy and I'll get my market data when I get my market data done. 
and then the submission. Yeah. I think I think there's a little bit of that, but ultimately, I think those business buyers that are trying to get a deal done by the end of the year, uh, I think are more aggressive and probably do pay a little bit more. Um, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and you yeah. definitely see that in the multiples though, because, uh, in the fourth quarter, typically third and fourth quarter, you see the multiples at their highest and just, um, at going back to 2018, the fourth quarter is four and 4.5 times, even the multiples being paid in by the first quarter dropped to 3.4. You see it smoothing out by the second quarter. So you do kind of see, uh, what you were talking about, like getting the deal closed, paying a higher multiple and then kind of like start of the year, the, the, the hangover effect, I guess you could say. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, I don't know why that, I don't want to say why that is, but but rather, it, it's interesting that there may be some something to do with credit. There may be something to do with wanting to get it in by year end, but I also think that there's something to do with competition. I I, I believe that we see more. Well, I think first quarter, first and second. Especially first quarter, I think our, our carries carryovers from from fourth quarter that ran into some snags. If you want to know the truth, and then I, I think perhaps you get some year end data, and I think this is back to the the wholesale prep world where you know business owners tend to um, take their foot off the gas while they're going through the sale process, even though you know you you coach them on on you know run the business as if you're not going to sell it. And I think what ultimately happens is, you know, year end data comes out and, and the buyer's sitting there saying, yeah, well, maybe we ought to take a, a second look at, at your financials and then turn around and, and, and renegotiate, um, you know, the deal. And that may, that may contribute yeah. a little bit to it also. Yeah. One thing that, that I think that I had noticed as well, so when we moved from the, the private deal update to the deal stats value index, we opened up a lot of the buyer types to be a little bit more inclusive with the new publication. So, you know, and, and it's, you know, the first exhibit where we're looking at those EBITDA multiples, you know, for private targets, you know, we've included both public buyers and private buyers, you know, in that data set. And I think that introduced a little bit more volatility, you know, into what you see quarter to quarter. Right. Um, you know, if you drop down to that, the fourth exhibit and you kind of basically hold constant the buyer type. So I think the space said that, that you're primarily working in, you know, private buyer, private seller. I mean, the EBITDA multiple for the past decade there is pretty consistent. Right. You know, when you start moving up to looking at what the, the deals the public buyers are doing, you know, the, the public to private, then you kind of see some more movement, um, you know, also with the, the public to public as well. Um, so I think maybe that be, might be contributing to that, that data set there as well. You know, some of what the, the public buyers are doing, you know, with those private targets. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess one of the things that surprised me aside from the multiples was that the EBITDA margins had decreased. And, and if I remember right, there's an inverse relationship between the EBITDA margin and the EBITDA multiple. What do you guys see from that standpoint and why? What's actually interesting is taking like a look at the data like historically, there has been a trend of the inverse relationship when like, um, even though margins have been higher, sales multiples have been lower. Uh, the same thing being said, when the EBITDA margins are lower, sales multiples are higher. Um, perhaps buyers um, don't think um, the, the um, earnings are sustainable, and they're, they're going back to the norms. The same thing when they're low, or maybe they think they could turn around the business and pay a little bit higher price for it. Uh, or maybe when the margins are lower, there might be uh, competition in buying. Maybe a depressed business, so um, that, 
that may be one of the factors. But it's been interesting because you know, we looked at it and getting back to the press death database, that trend has, has uh, continued for several years. I guess when I... Yeah. Go ahead. It's, I'm sorry. Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say it's weird because it seems like it's counterintuitive, right? Like you think, you know, why would businesses with higher margins be selling at lower multiples? And it's funny because back when we had the Pratt Stats private deal update, and, um, you know, maybe not in later years, but if you look back and you pull some of the archives, we did quite a bit of analysis on multiples relative to, to various, you know, earnings margins. And we found that, you know, for revenue multiples, EBITDA multiples, you know, when you compare, you know, say, take, say, take the data set and you divide into quintiles or other types of groupings, you know, and you rank them based on, you know, operating profit margin or EBIT margin, the multiples would always decline as the companies became more profitable. And it's funny because it's kind of the opposite of, of what you would think. And, you know, we've heard a couple, of, a couple of theories and, you know, they make sense to me, but, you know, I'm sure there's, there's plenty of others, but, you know, a company with, you know, above industry average margins, you know, a potential buyer, you know, might believe that, hey, that's not sustainable, that they'll return to some kind of industry norm in the future. Um, or, you know, in the inverse scenario where, you know, margins might be below industry, you know, the thought that is, well, hey, you know, when I come in, I can, I can bring it up to, you know, an industry norm level. So I think that might be kind of that's why you kind of see that inverse relationship. But that's, that's at least some, some thoughts that I've kind of seen written about and, and they, kind of, they kind of make sense to me. And that, and that brings me to a, an interesting thought is uh, how do you account for earnouts? Because they're, they're probably not. And, and for, for those of you listening, an earnout is basically if then financing. And in other words, if certain benchmarks are, are met, then I'm willing to pay you X. So when, when mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of our deals that we see, um, there is some earnout component or, or, something that smells like sure. so how does the how does mm-hmm. the the database account for that if at all so we, we've never included earnouts in our selling price and deal stats or previously pratt stats uh, but where we have been referring to it and including it is we have two separate fields um, we have one field which contains a uh, value for the full amount of the earnout so the, the total amount that's earnable uh, we also have another field which has the, the fair value of the earnout um, and that's not determined by you know bvr deal stats that's you know if, if the earnout was part of a transaction from, you know, Edgar, um, you know, when they went through and they did that, uh, you know, fair value determination for allocating the purchase price, you know, we'll capture that fair value determination. Um, but we haven't included those values in our selling price, but we do report them. And we also report the metrics uh, necessary to achieve that earnout. Um, so feasibly, you know, with that in mind, a user could maybe screen out transactions that had earnouts if, you know, they thought that that was potentially throwing off some of the multiples you know, in their comparable company uh, set, or, I mean, they could include, you know, the value of the earnout or some portion of that value in the selling price by adding it back and recalculating the multiples. Um, or if the fair value of the earnout was available in that field, you know, they could use that value, you know, sure. in, in the selling price to recalculate their multiples. So uh, that's how we've handled it. So basically we report the information as best we can, and then we kind of give it to the user to, to make that election on their end. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still wrestling with the inverse relationship and because I mean, that is so counterintuitive and I mean, I, I follow, mm-hmm. I follow your theory, but you know, as I'm a, if I, if I'm a business owner listening to this, I'm sitting here going, let me get this straight. So the, the, the lower my EBITDA margin, my higher, my multiple and, and vice versa. Um, 
Well, I think the thing to really, the thing that I just want to kind of emphasize, it's the margin itself, not the absolute amount, right? Right. So the higher the EBITDA value or amount or the higher the SDE value or amount, the higher the selling price. Right. But the margin inversely related. Yeah, it's literally you can slice and dice the data many different ways and it's, you get the same result. Well, the funny thing is I think we're, what we're seeing, especially in, in today's economic climate, I think that, you know, the, the earning, earning margins are higher. I think the profitability is, is good. I think, you know, there's access to capital. I think it's a good time to be yeah. a small business owner. And I think that's at least part of what's contributing to it. And the, and the, the risk associated with it, which is in other words, the multiple, well, you know, I, it, like you cited, I mean, it hasn't changed a whole lot over, over, you know, the period that you've been tracking. So I think it's more indicative of the condition of the business than it is the risk associated with, with the multiple. Make sense? That does make sense. It's actually interesting because you brought up the point about small business owners. That's actually one of the, um, the, um, for the deal values, like we priced up to a million, you've actually seen that multiple increase the pricing multiples for EBITDA. So I'm sure as the small business owners, their margins are, are going up. The EBITDA multiple has actually gone up too. So um, it's just a lot these different size deal categories that you've seen a, a downward trend or that trend that you're, you're talking about. What are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, the, the funny thing is, you know, so, um, the, uh, international business brokers association came out with their, with their quarterly report. And I mean, they're seeing multiples up, they're seeing cash at closing up. So, you know, these are all good things for small business owners. Um, so what are you guys seeing in your crystal ball? What's, what's coming next? Oh, geez. I, I, I don't know. Hard for me to speculate. Kenny, do you have any, have any thoughts of what might be in the pipeline? Well, it, based on the data, it's kind of weird because you do see a downward trend in the multiples going um, since 2017 and, and trending downwards. When you take a deeper look at it, you see that's um, very uh, based on industry. Something that was like really interesting in the past couple of years, you hear a lot about uh, the manufacturing sector booming, but then segueing to one of my other publications at EOU, I've actually seen the, the manufacturing sector start decreasing um, for the past year. So and that's based on the PMI and manufacturing index. Um, so you've seen that downward trend right now in manufacturing and you see it in the multiples. So when you take a look at uh, a lot of the industries, you see what industries are, are trending downwards and upwards based on um, the selling multiples. And then, like I said, I mentioned, I segue the EOU. Uh, so that's uh, something that we're continuing to take a look at what industries are are, are, are doing well based on the economy and which ones are uh, downturn. That's what I'm taking a look at the data. And just as overall to see if that trend continues, if uh, multiples are going down despite uh, margins and revenues increasing. So do you guys, do you guys track any correlation like say the small business optimism yeah. index and things like that? Or that's available? Yes. Well, that's an economic outlook update on um, the small business optimism index. Uh, we do track all that and, um, like, as I mentioned, it's, it's available monthly in the economic outlook update. And those are piece, the pieces that are used in uh, appraisals. I'm with you. The, so what what is it showing compared to what you're finding in this you know, the DealStats uh, quarterly index? Well, small business is actually, uh, uh, optimism actually make, is maintained at near highs. Yeah. So when you see the small business, like the multiple is being paid for the small business, like said, those are trending upward as well as with the small business optimism is trending upward. Um, and then I did touch base on the manufacturing sector uh, trending downwards. 
for the PMI index, and then you kind of see that correlate here uh, with that industry. You see the multiples going downward, so that you do see that relationship between the uh, the indexes as well as the multiples being paid. I got it. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that, and and this is just hypothesis, is that you know at some point we know that there's 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 bound to be a downturn. I mean, I I think it's you know probably a couple years down the road, but nevertheless, I think that there's that there it's coming. It, 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 you know, our economy is cyclic and that's just the way it works. But I'll tell you, I think buyers are, are recognizing, you know, I need to get paid back. I need, I need to get my investment back in a shorter period. And therefore I think part of it is that, you know, they're looking at their, you know, the payout that, you know, before I could pay, you know, five to seven years and get my money back. Now I need, you know, two to five, you know, two to five on the outside to, um, to make it work. And that might contribute to it. I, I, you know, time will tell whether or not that, you know, a a year or two after, after this, we'll probably be able to, to look back and see whether or not that, that held water. But, um, I think that just from where we're sitting, I think that there is a certain level of, um, I need to, I need to make a real good deal that this time, not that anybody's looking to make a bad deal, but I, re- I really need to make a good deal. Yeah. Having said that, yeah. Um, I guess what are some of the other surprises that that you guys saw in this quarter's report? Because I mean, I, it it was a, it was a different report. You know, we've kind of braced for it, but I mean, to to see that you guys are seeing the same thing, you know that that uh, that kind of confirms what we were anticipating. Yeah. Well, one thing that. I thought was interesting and granted we're still working on our data collection to, to give a more current figure. Um, but the more recent private acquisitions of public companies, so either, you know, management takeovers or, you know, PE acquisitions where public companies taken private. Um, I mean the, the EBITDA multiple, you know, really increased in 2018. You know, we don't have enough data yet for, for 2019, um, to report a report a figure. Um, but I just would kind of be curious to see where that ends up because it had been fairly consistent for like the prior, you know, eight or nine years. And then it kind of, you know, elevated really quickly. That's one thing that kind of surprised me and jumped out at me. So yeah, we'll have to, you know, hopefully with the next issue, we'll have more data in there and kind of see where it's at for 2019, at least 2019 year to date. Got it. So lastly, I'm, so there's business owners that listen to the business owners and advisors listen to this podcast. I mean, can they get their hands on this report that we're talking about? Is that available for private use? So we have a, we have a sample report, which is not the most current report available on the deal stats website. And so if you visit bbresources.com slash deal stats, you can download the prior quarters issue. Uh, you know, but to get the most current, you know, issue available, uh, you know, we, that's available to anyone who participates in deal stats via our contributor network. And so, you know, free access is given to anybody who submits closed deal information to the database, uh, as well as any sort of subscriber to the database. Um, so if you're looking for the most current access, you know, either get involved or, you know, look into getting a subscription. Got it. So with business valuation resources, what's coming next for you guys? So one thing we have right around the corner, and this is something that's kind of been a, a little while in the making. Um, we've been, so we've, we've gone through and we've done a project um, to backfill historical years of financial information for our records. Um, and for about the last year, we've been asking our contributors for it as well. 
Um, so one thing that we're about to do here in the coming, I'd say probably two weeks, is we're going to release an extra 35 data fields per transaction. And that'll put us right under the, the 200 data point per transaction mark. But what we're doing now is we're collecting up to five years um, well, I guess if you include the forecast, up to six years of net sales values um, were available for each company. Um, and our goal with that is we're going to be reporting, you know, growth for that, you know, company over time, as well as what the advisor and the transaction expected the next year, you know, the next year's growth to be. Wow. You know, so we'll really start including some of that growth information, which we've been lacking from our transactions. Um, and at this point now, we have about 5,000 records that have that growth information either historical growth over time or historical plus forecasted growth. Um, we've also been collecting historical and then also future forecast EBITDA values and SDE values. Um, so what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to report, um, you know, historical, you know, earnings margins, you know, SDE and EBITDA margins over time, as well as the expected next year EBITDA and SDE margin um, to kind of give us a full picture of kind of profitability to see if, is that current year consistent? Is it abnormal? Um, you know, just when you're kind of making that comparison um, and analyzing that transaction, um, you know, to see if it's, you know, useful as a comparable company. And we also started including some information uh, more kind of specific to the real estate. Um, so we're available. I know we've been including like sales per square foot. Uh, we've been including rent as a percentage of sales uh, and also rent as a percentage of EBITDA. So EBITDA plus rent. Um, so we have about 18,000 transactions. They're going to have that new real estate um, what is that real estate performance or kind of like earnings fields? Um, so we'll have about 5,000 with uh, historical and future growth values as well as historical and future um, profit margin values, another 18,000 with that new real estate information. Um, and so that should be online here in about, it's already on our test server. It's just we got to kind of get the word out there, update our FAQ page, create a couple mapping files, you know, for existing users. But yeah, I'd expect to, you know, expect to get an email from us in about two weeks or so with that information. Wow, that's awesome. You guys truly are the leaders. And I'm I'm so grateful for not only you guys coming on, but um and being so generous with your with your time and, and sharing, you know, what came from from the from the update. But I mean, seriously, you make certainly my reports substantially better. And we've helped we just passed our twenty two thousand one hundredth deal closed. And so you know, you guys have been a big part of, of all those. And so, uh, so again, thank you so much for, for your time and, and, and that. Um, but before we go, how, how do we get in touch with you? I mean, I know you, you, you put us to the website, um, um, but any other, any other sources, any, do you guys have LinkedIn sites, do, uh, Twitter, all those socials? Yeah, so our company does have a, a Twitter account, and we also have a, a LinkedIn a company page. So you can connect with BVR or Kenny and I on either, either platform. We have a blog site. Um, you know, you can find all that stuff. If you go to bvresources.com, we have links to, you know, the different social media platforms that we participate in, as, you know, as well as uh, the two blogs that we run. Um, but, yeah, you can also reach out to, to Kenny and I via email if you want to contact us directly. I'm uh, Adam M., so I'm like Manson. So Adam M at bbresources.com. And, you know, Kenny is, is Kenny W uh, for Wu at bbresources.com. Um, or, you know, if you go to the, the bbresources.com, you know, contact us page, 
you know, you should find our, our contact information listed there, you know, under the, you know, different departments that we participate in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, different channels. But, yeah, please do reach out to us anytime. Yeah, definitely reach out for the subscribers to the DVI. I'm available with my phone number and my email address on the, uh, the deal size value index itself, as well as all the other publications that I manage. And then uh, you mentioned LinkedIn. I actually go by Kenneth Wu for LinkedIn. Um, um, but can tell me Kenny Wu. Yeah, I'll I'll have uh, the links in the in the show notes, but I'll tell you. And and one thing I want to stress is to especially to the audience is that this is available to all of the. You don't have to be an appraiser. You don't have to be a deal guy. I mean, if you want if you want this data, you can get a subscription and you can you can follow along. You know the same way that that an appraiser or a deal person would would in their ordinary course of business. So you know, can can somebody do that? Oh yeah, that's excellent. We have, you know, users who are, you know, business owners, we have users who are in the legal space like attorneys. Yeah. So there's a lot of non-appraiser, uh, you know, non-transaction professionals who are utilizing the data or utilizing the publication. So I think it really has wide applicability, you know, outside just our kind of our core market. Um, but yeah, so it's just, you know, making, making others aware of it because, you know, BBR, you know, business valuation resources, you know, while we're known in certain spaces, you know, we're still kind of a small company and we're not really known so much in others, but yeah, yeah. I think that there's a lot of other kind of, you know, professions that could, you know, benefit a lot from, from this information. Well, right. And, and I think business owners, I mean, you know, with, especially with the, the amount of uh, detail in your frequently asked questions and how, you know, from a, from an appraiser standpoint, you, you anticipate the questions and, and I get my answers in a hurry. Yeah. Um, you know, that may, that may apply to, a you know, a, an astute business owner on, on, you know, how, do, how do, how do I look at, at, at my business over time? And that, that's, that's an yeah. interesting thing because I, I think there's a lot of business owners that, you know, before they call a deal guy, they, they want, you know, they want to do their homework. And I think through, through Smart. Uh, util, yeah, utilization of the sources like you, it, I think it's a, it's a, a great place to start. Adam, Kenny, you know, thank you so much for being so generous with your your time and sharing the update from from deal stats you know you make you certainly make my report better um you have helped us help nearly 2100 people over the course of uh, uh of our 38 years and we're like i said we're we're so grateful that you're there and uh at helping us be better deal guys so Thank you so much for your time and thank you for being Defenders of Business Value. Thanks for having us. It's our pleasure. We love hearing feedback from our clients. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Right on. Yeah, thank you for all those kind words. And yeah, thank you for having us on your show. Thank you for joining the Defenders of Business Value podcast. If you're preparing your business for sale, visit LegacyTransitionAdvisors.com or text EXIT to 35893 to begin your journey to maximum saleable value. If you want more episodes packed with strategies to transfer maximum value in your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com. Better yet, subscribe now so you don't miss the future episodes. This program is copyright Legacy Transition Advisors, LLC. All rights reserved.